Joy comes from God. It is an expression of his Holy Spirit. It's one of the fruits of his Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing? That joy comes from God. And when we have the Holy Spirit alive within us, we have joy. Are you pleased about that? There's a lot of folk not looking very pleased about that this morning. No, church is a serious business. Let's have some joy. So if joy is a fruit of the Spirit, and it is, because God's Word says it is, you would think that joy would be present in so many of the important parts of Scripture and so many of the important parts of the story of God. Let's see if that's true. At Jesus' birth, Luke chapter 2, the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Not for some people. Not for some people that think church is a serious business. Not for some people who want to go out and party all the time. It's for all people. For every single person that is here today. No matter if they're drooling down their face right now. Or if they've got hunger in their belly or whatever. It's for every single one of us. This joy. At Jesus' resurrection... The women hurried away, because women are always busy. They've always got a lot on their agenda. The women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy. And they ran to tell his disciples. I love it when my daughter runs. It fills me with great joy. She has this amazing running technique that doesn't look like she's running with legs going in different directions. It brings joy to me. But they were filled with joy because they knew that what Jesus had said was true and that he was and is alive. What joy. They couldn't contain themselves. You know when women get a little bit of gossip and they can't wait to get it out. This was the all-time greatest gossip ever. We're running back to the <laughs> tell everybody. Wait till you hear this. <laughs> Joy. At Jesus' ascension, that while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. And then they worshipped him, the disciples were talking about, and they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Something amazing is starting. Something amazing has happened. Wow. I can't wait to tell people about Jesus. Jesus himself said about the word of God, hear the word of God and at once receive it with joy. With joy. Can you give me your best joyful face? Let me see the best joyful faces in the room. Mr. George, that's the most notable, maybe not the most joyful, but I will remember that face for a long time. <laughs> there is great joy in this room. Jesus said about the kingdom of heaven, that the kingdom of heaven is like, and he told so many of these parables, these, 
these visual descriptions to get the message over. Can you grab the story? Can you, can you feel this? Can you understand it? Can you believe it? That the kingdom of heaven is like a, a treasure that's hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, in his joy, his actions changed. He went and sold everything that he had. He gave everything that he had away to buy into this joy, to buy into the kingdom of heaven. And he bought that field. Are you all in, in this Christian walk? Are you 100% invested in this walk, this relationship with God, this relationship with the risen Christ? I'm asking you this morning, are you all in, 100%? Are you hedging your bets? Are you 90% in? Are you just in on a Sunday? Between the hours of 11 and 12.30? Maybe you need to ask yourself that question. Are you all in? Are you 24-7? Do you have joy in your life? Jesus said in John's gospel about his love for us, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. And I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Do you feel that God's joy, that the love that God has for you, do you feel it alive within you? Does it express itself in a big smile on your face? Does his love flow out of you into other people as you serve them? As you pray for them, as you bless them, as you help them in their life? Because great joy comes from that. As Christians, we are called to be Christ-like, to be like Christ. He is our example. He is our model. He is our leader. He is our best friend. He is our king and our Lord of our life. And we, he has put his joy in us. What a privilege that is. Do you feel it? Do you feel it right now? Is there joy in your heart right now because Jesus is in your life? Because God loves you completely. Because his spirit flows through you. There is joy in serving God in the mission work. Jesus taught the 12. And then he taught another group beyond that, 72. And he taught them everything to do in mission work. And said, on you go boys. Go and do it. This isn't a talk show. This isn't just theory. This is what I want you to do. You go and do it because I'm giving you the authority to do it. My authority is on you. Go and do it. And they went out. And I think a lot of them would have been nervous, excited, made mistakes, got some things right. The 72 returned with, everybody say it. They returned with joy. And all the stories came out. Jesus, you'll never believe this. (laughs) We did what you said. And oh my goodness, people were healed. And people came to know God. And the demons fleed. Oh my goodness, we'll be telling these stories. Right, get the barbecue going. We need to talk about this all night long. We've got joy. We need to tell you, Jesus, what happened. It was amazing. You should have been there. It was there. (laughs) It was there in the middle of it all. It was his power flowing through them that made all these great things happen. 
oh, but Jesus, you should have been there. <laughs> Remember one pastor saying, uh, in, our, in our family, we give our kids responsibility and we try to teach them the way to go with God. And he said, it was great. One Sunday after church, we got our son to pray a blessing over the food before we had lunch. And our son started off, he was 10 years old at the time, and he says, oh Lord, thank you so much for today, for church. Church is amazing. It was awesome. What a word was preached today. Oh Lord, I wish you could have been there in the middle of it. The 72 returned with... He was right there in the middle of it. The 72 returned with joy. It was amazing. God, Jesus, we did what you asked us to do, and amazing things happened. Bursting with it. And at that time, Jesus, Jesus, full of joy at hearing their news. Oh, boys, to see your face bursting with joy, to hear those testimonies, Jesus turned in prayer through the Holy Spirit and says, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because your children are doing it. Awesome. After the ascension, we go into the book of Acts. And Peter echoes the words of King David here as he talks to a big crowd and says, as he's praying, you have made known to me the paths of life. You fill me with joy in your presence. Have you ever felt in the very presence of God? Have you felt that? How did you feel? Was it rubbish? Was it a waste of time? Do you wish you were doing something else? Did it fill you with joy? Did it? Did it? I'm asking you. Fills you with joy to be in God's presence because he is the joy giver. He is the joy giver. It is the fruit of his spirit. If you have the fruit of his spirit, you are filled with, say it. Joy. Joy. Hallelujah. And then the impact of preaching, signs and wonders again in the book of Acts chapter 8. Philip went to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. And when the crowds heard Philip and they saw the miraculous signs that he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. And so there was great joy in that city. Because people heard about the risen Christ. They heard about Jesus and they saw him at work in the miraculous signs, and they played, paid close attention to what Philip said. I think that's another way of saying that they understood that they believed, they put a lot of stock into this, and in doing so, and responding and connecting with God, they felt what? Let's say it. The more connected you are with God, the more joy there is in your life. The impact of repentance. Remember the story. Who was in the prison? Paul and Silas. And what were they doing at midnight? Singing. They were doing a Stephen Giorgio number. They were singing praises whilst they were chained up in prison. Why were they in prison? Why were they in prison? Shout it out for doing what Jesus said and they got arrested for it sometimes it doesn't always turn out as we expected as Louise said sometimes the dress feels a bit itchy maybe we eat too much of the 
stuff that we really want. Sometimes things don't turn out the way we expect. Paul and Silas, I don't think they said, well, I'll tell you what, you know, we're going to follow Jesus and I hope we get arrested and I hope we get thrown in jail. I hope we get chained up. That's the goal here. That's what we want. That is not what they expected. But did they have an attitude of joy? They did. Chained up in a filthy prison, not knowing what's going to happen, but they knew who was in control. Their attitude was one of joy, and they expressed their joy. They sang hymns of praise, and they prayed to the joy giver. And what happened? Did they just stay all night there? God responded and broke their chains. Broke their chains. And then when the jailer felt the earthquake and he comes in and realized, oh no. Oh no. The locks are broken. The chains are broken. That's it. Life's over for me. I'll kill myself before the Romans do. But Paul says, no, no, no. We're still here. And he shared Christ with them. And the jailer came to faith and filled with joy, says, you need to come back to my house, meet my family, eat from my table, and tell my family what you've told me. And Paul and Silas did. And they came to faith. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he was filled with because he had come to believe in God. He and his whole family. Great moment. Game changer. So started with a picture that said, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Have you heard that before? It's a piece of scripture. And here's a clue as to where that piece of scripture comes from. Can anybody tell me without Googling it, without Googling it, which book of the Bible does this come from? The joy of the Lord is your strength, is that your words? Shout it. I'm going to say guesses. <laughs> How presumptuous is that? <laughs> right, give me the answers. Right, forget, forget that answer there. <laughs> Anybody else got a guess? <laughs> of course it's the right answer. Yeah, the book of Nehemiah. So this is the clue. When I was growing up and I went on summer mission, uh, Church of Scotland and Girvan, we used to have, uh, every year there was this thing where the, uh, we had this afternoon service on the beach and we built a sand pulpit. There was a team of people that had to go down an hour before and they would dig and make the sands you know, this high. So Andy Moyes, who was called Moses, would go up and he'd lead the service at three o'clock and we'd do different things, singing choruses and things like that. And there was always a Bible story. But every year they had this, this thing called um, going for a song where all the kids who'd be coming for, for two weeks, they had to come with something that represented a piece of scripture in a kind of funny way. So, for example, one child turned up with jeans on and a denim shirt and a denim jacket and a denim hat, and he was Levi. <laughs> but one day, one day... Three boys turned up, will you match boxes? And Moses gets everybody up and they're all doing their thing, everybody's got to guess what it is. And then this wee boy, they're saying, matchbox, and he opens up the matchbox, and in it is a dead bee. And saying, what, 
what you hear is that it's, it's the dead bee. It's the dead bee, it's the thing. I said, well, what's that? I says, well... Keep it, keep it quiet, Robert. This is, this is where Robert Cook's mind's going to go here. So the first one was a piece of scripture from 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that says, Oh, death, where is your sting? Death has lost its sting. That's a joy bringer. And the next wee boy's thinking, well, my mum told me to do that, and what am I going to do now? See, I had a wee think, and somebody went up and whispered in his ear, and he put his wee beaut and says, this is Nahum. <laughs> and the last boy's thinking, that was mine, what am I going to do now? Somebody went up and whispered in his ear, and he put his hand in and says, Nehemiah. <laughs> Nehemiah. Oh, well. I like that. I like that. <laughs> oh, death, where is your sting? Gone forever. So, Nehemiah. So, you remember, I preached a couple of months ago on the book of Nehemiah, the story of Nehemiah, um, how Nehemiah was led by God out of a life of comfort in Babylon. He had a rich position. But God put a burden on his heart for Jerusalem and he went and he brought the people back to Jerusalem and they rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. Three miles of walls that were laid derelict for over almost 150 years. And they repaired those walls in 52 days. It was miraculous. Absolutely miraculous. And after we preached on that, it was very interesting that um, when other people came along, so... Wow, just took a blank there. Who came to the men's night from Destiny Church in Edinburgh? Anderson. Pete Anderson. And what did he share on? Nehemiah, the story of Nehemiah. And then we had um, Matthew Stephen. Is that his name? Stephen Matthews. I was close. I was so close. So close. Came and gave us some fantastic teaching on how to build church. And what did he mention? Talk through Nehemiah. So um, as I was preparing for today, God took me to Nehemiah chapter 8. So that's where we left, was in Nehemiah chapter 7, where after the walls of Jerusalem were built in 52 days, over 50,000 people, tens of thousands of people came back. Verse 1. And when I put this picture up here, this is a picture of the water gate in Jerusalem. There were so many gates in the city walls, but everything in chapter 8 happens around about the water gate. We're going to come back to that. So Nehemiah chapter 8, reading from verse 1, where Ezra reads the law. When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people assembled as one man in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra the scribe to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon. That's some pretty long preaching. As he faced the square before the water gate, in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra the scribe stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. Beside him on his right stood a whole list of guys that I cannot pronounce. 
Let's save time. Verse 5. Ezra opened the book, and all the people could see him before because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God. And all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. And then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites, and again a whole list of guys I can't pronounce, instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving them meaning so that the people could understand what was being read. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is sacred to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice foods and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is sacred to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be still, for this is a sacred day. Do not grieve. Then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food, and to celebrate with great... Everybody say it. Joy. joy. They celebrated with great joy because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. On the second day of the month, the heads of all the families, along with the priests and the Levites, gathered round Ezra the scribe to give attention to the words of the law. They found written in the law, which the Lord had commanded through Moses, that the Israelites were to live in booths during the feast of the seventh month, and that they should proclaim this word and spread it throughout their towns and in Jerusalem. Go out into the hill country and bring back branches from olive and wild olive trees and from myrtles and palms and shade trees to make booths as it is written. So the people went and they brought back branches and built themselves booths on their own roofs in their courtyards, in the courts of the house of God, and in the square by the water gate, and the one by the gate of Ephraim, built booths and lived in Pani, had returned from exile, built booths and lived in them. From the day of Joshua, son of Nun, until that day, the Israelites had not celebrated it like this. And their joy was very great. I find that a phenomenal passage that for almost 150 years the Israelites were in distress. They were exiled from Jerusalem, their spiritual home, if you like, on planet Earth. And then God sent a guy and says, go and lead my people and I will provide for this vision. And he goes and he puts them to the right people and all of a sudden everybody is motivated and they go and they respond. And in 52 days, in 52 days, the whole city, the wall around the city is rebuilt. Three miles of it, three miles of it was in ruins and was restored because they responded to the prompting of God. And so everybody returned to Jerusalem and what did they want to do? They wanted to get before God because they were full of thanks. And so they all gathered round about the water gate. Why the water gate? 
I believe that everything in Scripture is symbolic. It's there for a reason. And so God picked the Watergate for a reason. It's the one place where water flows into the city from a spring. Flows into the city, and that's where people would go and gather and get their water. But that's where fresh, fresh, life-giving water flowed into the city, and it's where they gathered. Reminds me of three scriptures I want to share. From Revelation chapter 22, verse 1. Then he showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God of the Lamb. The river of life flows from God. This life-giving water flowed into the city as they gathered to meet with their God. John chapter 7, verse 38, Jesus says, He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. I believe the people of God in this passage were receiving from God. They were receiving this river of life, this life-giving relationship that brings great joy, deep joy, indescribable joy. And then as we go into Revelation chapter 22, verse 2, in the middle of its street, on the other side of the river, was the tree of life, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding to fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. From the river of life comes fruit and healing, and it's for all the nations. From this relationship with God, we receive the fruit of the Holy Spirit, joy. And it's not just for us. Coming to church on a Sunday is not for entertainment for the saints. It's to receive from the living God for us to go and give that away. To go and be the church on a Monday, a Tuesday, a Wednesday, a Thursday, a Friday, a Saturday, and yes, as we gather together on a Sunday. So let me just summarize from this passage. I also believe in Scripture, things aren't just symbolic that God puts in there for a reason. Sometimes the order is really important. Let's look at the order of what happened in chapter 8. It starts off with Ezra. We are so blessed in this God. That was a starting point. I believe we are so blessed in this church to have Stevie as our senior pastor. The teaching that Stevie brings on a weekly basis, we are privileged to receive that teaching. It is a good word that he brings every week. It is a word from God. Just as Ezra was set aside by God and Nehemiah was led by God, and so we have people in this church who are led by God. Stevie Roy is our senior pastor, ably assisted by Mary. As we said a few weeks ago, but two for the price of one. Isn't that awesome? Abundance of God. And Stevie, we have a man who serves us incredibly well. It's not a Sunday morning job. It's a 24-7. This man and his wife and his family give great sacrifice because they put us first. They serve God first. This church family that is gathered here today are served so well by a man who loves us and invests in us and has responded to the word of God 
and presents that word to us on a weekly basis. Why did Israel change? Why did they weep after they received the word of God in the book of Nehemiah chapter 8? Because they were in a point to receive it. Their hearts were so open. Their doors of their heart were wide open because they had seen the miraculous God restore the city of Jerusalem miraculously. And they gathered before God and they received the word of God and it impacted them such that they realized my relationship with God up to this point has been, in many ways, second best. I have not given 100%. I have not invested 100%. And I'm asking this morning, out of love for this congregation, we are the church. Me, you, everybody in this room, we are the church. Are we open to the word of God? Do we really believe this? 100%? Are you in this 100%? We need to respond to the word of God that is brought by our senior pastor on a weekly basis. This is not an entertainment business for the saints. This is the reality of a living relationship with God. Israel responded. How did they respond? They worshipped. I feel it's four four years that my my wife and I and now our family are coming to this church. I feel I've really grown in this four years in this church under this leadership. I have grown. I, I feel closer to God than at any other point. And as such... On a Sunday morning, I feel I'm worshiping more. Not just on a Sunday, but I'm using the Sunday as an example. That when we are led by Sarah, Stephen, and all the talented musicians that God has put into this church, as we are led in worship, I feel that I am worshiping more in spirit and in truth than at any other time in my life. I feel great joy with my children running about at my feet at the back there. I hope they're not too much of a distraction but my heart cries out with joy as my children are about, as we are in the house of God and worshiping God. My heart cries out with great joy. I feel so loved and blessed to be a son of the Most High, to be part of this wonderful family, to be in this place. God has led us to this place, and I am so blessed to be sitting under the leadership of Stevie Roy. Stevie and Mary, I know here from God they have spoken into my life. They have, they have guided me. And I am so grateful for the input that they've had. And I'm so excited about what's going to happen in the future in this church. I believe amazing things are going to happen in this church. Amazing things have happened in this church. And that's just a foretaste, I believe, of what's about to come. I'm excited about that. Can you tell I've got a little bit of joy this morning? <laughs> that's because I had my kids' cereal and it's full of E-numbers. No, it's not. <laughs> But this is the order. They heard the word of God. They were so impacted that they worshipped God. The, the, the word that's used in the original language here is shakara, which actually means the literal translation of that word to worship is to draw close intimately as if you're about to kiss. Is that the level of intimacy that you have with God when you worship him? Is your heart so full of joy that everything else is pushed to the side and you draw in close because you want that kiss, that intimacy with God. Do you worship like that? And from that, the people showed obedience. 
They did exactly what was written in the Word of God. They celebrated the feast the way it was supposed to be celebrated. And it says that since the days of Joshua, son of Nun, nobody had celebrated the feast as well as this for a thousand years because they followed the Word of God to the very letter. They went out and did what God asked them to do. It was written down. It was clear in black and white. And they celebrated that feast. And it says there was great joy. Such joy. There is such joy in the relationship with God by doing what God asks us to do. That's where the joy comes from. We need to understand who he is. We need to worship him and we need to celebrate him by doing exactly what he asks us to do. That's how we experience joy. And from there, the Levites were prompted to pray in chapter nine. We didn't go into that. But they want to speak to God. They want to talk with him because they are so close in that relationship. They want the intimacy. And from that, as they talked further with God, what happened? They repented further. And it goes on in chapter 9, chapter 10, that they actually expressed, the Israelites expressed their repentance. They regretted that they had started to go into marriages where they were unequally yoked. They were marrying foreign people, as the scriptures said, that wasn't what they were to do. They were to marry people of the faith. And they had not kept the Sabbath holy. They were trading. Their businesses were open. And they traded on a Sunday. Well, what day would be their Sabbath? Ah, just checking, just checking. Saturday. They cancelled debts. That was another thing that the scripture had said, that they were to go and cancel debts. They were to tithe. I have to say, I really learned from, from getting to the scriptures for preparing for today. I always thought the tithe was given 10% to the kingdom. It specifically says in Nehemiah chapter 9 that the tithe is for the upkeep of the house of God to pay for the Levites, the priests, to maintain the house of God. And God had shamed the Israelites to say, you have not been keeping my house in order. I have to say, I've got it wrong over the years. I've, I've given a tithe. But it says in Nehemiah that the tithe is first and foremost, it's for all those who are in service in the, in the house of God. And then God asked them to give other stuff on top of that for the greater good. So, I wonder if that's a word for anybody here today, that we should be tithing to the church and giving more beyond that and give further resources to God's work and then lastly, not to neglect the house of God. So Israel responded and they responded grudgingly. They responded with their heads down, oh no, good or wrong. They responded with joy, with great joy, because they were doing exactly what God asked them to do. That's where God, God gives us his joy. That's where the fruit of the Spirit comes from, is walking in close communion with God, so close that you could kiss him. That's what the word says. You draw in as if to kiss. So close. And then following his word to the very letter. I've got so much to learn as a Christian. I've got so much to learn as a leader. And I'm thankful that I've got time ahead. Whatever God blesses me with, I'm going to learn how foolish I have been at times. And I'm, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for that because I want to become more and more like Christ every day. Great joy. Amen.